0: interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is The Carrie Edelman Show. Welcome to The Carrie Edelman Show. I am super excited today as we have the amazingly talented comedian and author, Claudia Stavola, joining us momentarily. So before I bring her on, I always like to do a brief introduction to the show. She's going to be accompanying some of the amazingly talented artists and individuals that I've had the honor to interview in the entertainment industry over the past several years. Some of those have included comedian and head writer for Seinfeld, Peter Melman, co-creator of The Daily Show and TV producer, Madeline Smithberg. New York Times bestselling author, Jennifer Keishan Armstrong. If you're a fan of Seinfeld, check out her book, Seinfeldia. Writer and impersonator, John D. Domenico, who can regularly be heard on The Howard Stern Show. And award-winning cartoonist and illustrator for The New Yorker, Bob Eckstein. Claudia and I, you'll also see we're a huge fan of music. Um, She is a Monsters of Rock morning show DJ, which we'll talk about today. So some of the national bands I've had on my show have included Trivium, Tremonti, Lacey Sturham and Starset, to name a few. So please check out the podcast that I do. I really do an interesting interview where we're going to delve into the lives of the guests that I have on my show. Before I bring her on, I also like to just throw out there, uh, I do have a doctorate degree in clinical psychology, but my show, my show is purely an entertainment show. We are not doing any formal therapy or assessment. However, if things come up in an educational format, of course, we will talk about stuff as, as that tends to happen. So if you're tuning in, uh, you can go to blogtalkradio.com. And if for some reason you're not able to tune in, the show will be available on iTunes and iHeartRadio after it's over to download or stream for free. Okay, so let's do an introduction, and then we're going to get Claudia on here. So Claudia Stavola began her career as a stand-up comedian, where she realized when she realized, sorry, that the office thing was not for her. And I had the opportunity to see her perform live several times, and I was immediately drawn to her comedy and her sense of humor. Um, She's intelligent. She definitely has this observational style. It can be self-deprecating at times, and I I tend to gravitate towards that. And what I think is also incredible about her is that she's truly evolved over the years. Um, I think that's something I really want to capture in this interview is how she has expanded her talent. In addition to being a comedian, she's a morning show DJ on Monsters of Rock, which is on Dash Radio. It boasts over 800,000 listeners a day, and she can be heard live weekdays from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Time. She's also a writer for the satirical rock and roll website, uh, Madhouse Magazine. And more recently, she published her hysterical, biting collection of essays titled 100 Things to Hate Before You Die, which can be purchased currently on Amazon and all major digital sites. So, you can follow Claudia at Claudia Comedy on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. All right, let's get her on. Hey, Claudia, how are you?
1: Hey, Carrie, how's it going? That was quite the intro. I feel like I have a lot to live up to now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot to prove over here. (laughs) No, you don't, but I I hope I did you justice by uh, that nice intro.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well you forgot to say that i have amazing hair
0: <laughs> you do you do you uh, absolutely have you amazing hair. you know that's hair. one of the things
1: i self-deprecate about so we could we could laugh because we both have curly hair so
0: that's <laughs> true that's absolutely true yeah. definitely we will we will delve into that a little later so um yeah thank you so much for joining me today i'm so looking forward to talking about just Your career, everything you've been up to, and especially um, later in the interview, we're going to really dive into the 100 things to hate before you die. And I want to riff on a couple of things too later in the interview that maybe you can uh, incorporate into the next book if you decide to do one.
1: <laughs> oh, cool! Yeah, I already have a list going for the next uh, ch- uh, book, so so
0: we could definitely add to it for sure. All right, sounds great. So let's do this. You know me. Um, if you've heard my interviews before, I always like to start out from the beginning and you know really capture who you are as a person, especially from a young age, and and let the audience see the trajectory of you know you growing up and and getting into the field that you're in. So yeah, tell us a little bit just about yourself. You know. remembering as far back as you can as a young kid, growing up, you know, describing your personality. And I know in the book too, and people would really like this about the book, is, you know, there are these periods where you incorporate yourself. And I think that's what also just really kind of rounds out that book. But, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself as a kid growing up. Okay.
1: Well, I started out in my mom's uterus. (laughs) You want to go that far back? No. Um, So I have an older sister. We're only a year apart, a year and three days, actually. And she was always more outgoing and,
0: um, you know,
1: sort of more noticeable than I was. She developed very early, all that kind of stuff. I was always very shy. Um, My family was, uh, we'll just say, loud, and um, it was hard to be the center of attention because everybody else was the center of attention. So I was more of an observer. I took things in. Um, I was very shy and anxious. Um, there was always a lot of fighting going on, but I don't get too much into that obviously in the book because it's not a autobiography and my mom would kill me. I really got into too (laughs) many details. I'm going to have to wait a few years to to go down that road.
0: But, um,
1: yeah, so it it wasn't the most ideal childhood situation, but I uh like I said I would observe things and um just kind of sit back and you know even in school like young elementary school I would kind of just sort of stand with the teacher on recess because I was that shy like it was it was Aww. crazy and then I don't know what happened like I I switched schools when I was in fifth grade and all of a sudden, like, I just was like, I don't give a shit anymore. And I kind of came out of my shell in the sense that I realized that I related a little bit better to boys than girls. Like I wasn't into mm-hmm. the same thing as girls. I mean, I liked Barbies, but I was more into like the $6 million man.
0: Barbie doll (laughs) no that's cool bring that up a little bit elaborate on some of the things that you know as you you know you briefly do mention in the book didn't you didn't fit in a lot with you know and even today you know you definitely I think like to go down your own, own road and be unique and that is definitely something that I gravitate towards and I'm definitely you know I won't say an outcast but yeah it's harder I think to relate sometimes to females so tell us a little bit about yeah Your style of dress growing up. You know, what was different a little bit about you that
1: made it difficult? Well, that was the, that yeah, that whole time period, like I would say around when I was like
0: 10, like fifth grade,
1: um, I started getting more into, well, I was into wrestling, first of all. (laughs) It was still called the WWF back then. Um, But, like, I was into wrestling, and I was still into the Barbies, but I was into, like, that's when I discovered Van Halen and ACDC, you know, because I grew up in a house with great music. My mom had great taste in music, like R&B, soul. We watched Soul Train all the time, Um, and I love that music still to this day, but I also discovered that there was this other music that really spoke to me and it mm-hmm. was hard and it was in your face and i was like oh okay i like this you know so i would wear you know kind of like the um you know dark black sneakers like all the girls were wearing like cute little like dock fighters and stuff and i was dressing <laughs> for more-
0: I mean I was like like a boy boy but I No mean, no I no, no I'm laughing like about the darksiders, siders not about you. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know. <laughs> well both actually. But I had
1: pigtails, you know, that kind of stuff, but um I just uh I started realizing that there was other stuff out there that I was into and that I didn't have to be like these other people that I didn't relate to I didn't have anything against them I wasn't like oh they're assholes and I'm great or vice versa or why can't I be like them I just didn't get it you know what I mean I didn't connect because
0: mm-hmm. they were into stuff I wasn't so um and you, I just sort of real quick you didn't just interrupt real quick so you didn't feel like this you know I know as when I was younger too I did feel like the need, like I couldn't really be myself sometimes. Like I would have to fit in and you didn't, evidently you were, that was great. You must've felt at least well enough about yourself to say, I don't need this and I'll find my own group of people to hang out with.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's sort of two things happening at the same time. Like I don't know where or how I got my confidence because the, way I grew up wasn't conducive necessarily to (laughs) feeling so great about myself. Um, Not that I was told I was a piece of shit or anything like that, but it was, it could be very lonely at times, but yet I had enough confidence in myself to not let it take me down a dark road. You know, it's Mm -hmm. hard when you don't have, you know, a lot of people that you can, turn to, but, you know, like even mm-hmm. when I had friends, um, I did feel like I kind of would have to hold back my entire self because they didn't understand me because I always liked to joke around and I, you know, was more of like the jokester um, goofball and some of my humor was just not on brand with girl stuff so
0: they would think I was a weirdo so <laughs> right <laughs>
1: which what I was you, um, but I still
0: am. no you're not but no, but what do you think when you switch the schools do you think was there any indication where you thought oh this is a fresh start like is there a moment is there anything you can remember of well, what made you I have that
1: ever... yeah I don't know I can't say like that I remember saying okay this is my fresh start I don't even think I thought of it but it's it's Mm -hmm. hard to specifically say but what I do remember is um, I did become friends with a Chinese girl and you know we would hang out a lot and she lived down the street from my grandmother and I was always at my grandmother's after school so we really you know became kind of close And we were on recess one day and this boy started calling her a chink. And I knew that was like a bad thing. So I threw him into the bushes.
0: (laughs) Go (laughs) go you. Leave
1: her alone. Yeah. And so I think because I I don't know where it came from, but I sort of always had this feeling of wanting to help people that couldn't Mm -hmm. help themselves, that stick up for people, you know, if we're going to get into, I know you're not going to psychoanalyze me, yeah, but no, maybe but it's I want
0: to, I want to comment too. go on, but I want to comment on what you did too. And maybe just a different perspective, but go ahead.
1: Yeah. Cause it's like, sometimes I think, is it because maybe deep down, I felt like nobody really protected me or is it, you know, like, so now I'm going to protect everyone else that can't, you know, I don't know. I don't, I, I just, I always have felt that way. Like I want to,
0: help and stick up for people that are being
1: picked on, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, but I think in this situation, and tell me if I'm off, and we're not going into, like, analysis, but I think in this situation, here was someone that liked you, you know, that that you were getting along with. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you said that you came from the other school where you were so shy, you really didn't have many friends, and here's someone that really took a liking to you, and and you seemed to clearly wanted to protect her.
1: Yeah, I just, I didn't like that somebody could be so mean and say something Mm -hmm. so horrible.
0: And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying
1: I'm perfect and I've never said or done anything wrong, but that's what happened in that moment. And, you know, and I I always have gotten along with, I'm always friendly to everyone. And I never like had people that I had uh, issues with or anything like that. It was just that, like we said earlier, it was very hard for me to relate on a, Uh, deeper level with people Mm -hmm. because I I actually I think maybe that's the problem is that I need a deeper connection to be able to like have a friend as opposed to like a lot of people are into like the surface thing and they'd Mm -hmm. rather have like 500 fake friends than a couple of real friends and that's just you know that's fine if that works for them but it doesn't work for me so that's probably part of it too. Gee, this is fun, huh? What a comedic interview.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely no. I, I'm bringing again, the show just, down here. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I can I can relate to that too. I mean, I'd rather have a f- few close friends that I can get into deep stuff with. You know, I'm not someone who drinks. I'm not someone who, you know, so a lot of the stuff like you would say And if you want to elaborate on any of that stuff, right, that's not something I would want to do is just go out to a bar with a bunch of people and, like, socialize and drink because I don't drink. So what's the, you know, yeah, I want to do something that has more, you know, like you said, deeper meaning to it and, you know, more of a relationship with someone. Yeah, I'm not saying, like, when we hang out, we have to do stuff that has
1: some, like, you know, heavy meaning to it. Right. I just, like, I can't be superficial with people. I I like to know someone. And, you know, and I don't, I'm not a drinker. I never really was a drinker. I Mm -hmm. never was in drugs. Um, But, you know, pretty much all of my friends always were and they still are, most of them. And that's fine. I don't care. You know, it's like if we're having fun and you're not hurting anyone else, I don't care about that stuff. And I have no problem. But yeah, I do feel more awkward in certain social settings that's for sure
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay so while we're talking about you know comedy we're talking about being a little kid you know the shyness coming out of your shell you know just pull us in a little bit with what you were gravitating towards when you were younger you know what were some of the first comedians you were exposed to were you someone who watched shows like mad tv or saturday night live yeah give us a little bit of a feel for that and then we'll start to you know move along a little more
1: Oh, yeah. Well, thankfully, my mom had a good sense of humor, so, so I was a comedy, like, really young. Mel Brooks is one of the first mm. um, comedians I remember, but seeing his movie High Anxiety, that stuck with me from seven years old, and I was, like, obsessed with him. And my mom loved guys like uh, Robert Klein and um, David Brenner, which were some of my favorites. You know, she loved Billy Crystal. And Mm -hmm. so I always like gravitated towards that type of humor. But, you know, as I got older, of course, things evolved and I learned about other types of comedians. And, you know, I was always into George Carlin. And, of course, in more recent years, my favorite of all time is Greg Giraldo, um, Mm -hmm. Bill Burr, the one I love. So, you know, I like irreverent, but I like intelligent. I don't like, um, you know, what I call sort of like basic humor that's just meant to appeal to the masses and there's not a lot of, you know, intelligence in it. And that's fine mm-hmm.
0: that other people like it. just doesn't do it as much for me. Definitely. Definitely. And with yeah. with talking about some of those comedians, you know, in terms of TV shows, what, what types of sitcoms like or comedy shows did you watch as a little kid or that you're currently in, into?
1: Uh well now I mean like m- I think my favorite of all time is Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> <Literally> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It. All you have to do is make a face and I lose it. I can't even handle it. It's he <laughs> 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 just kills me. Um yeah, so I love that. I mean, some of the classics, of course, Frasier. I could still watch episodes of Frasier and Crack Up and, you know, Seinfeld of course. Um you know, I also like some uh Um, what do you want to say sitcoms that you know they're not meant to be like so thought-provoking or deep but I love the neighborhood with Cedric the Entertainer I think he's so funny I love the dynamic between him and um, uh, I can't think of the guy's name Max Greenfield I think they're so cute together Um, but yeah you know growing up it was the typical stuff it was you know uh, all in the family it was the Jefferson's good times loved good Mm -hmm. times you know, all that kind of stuff. So
0: I'm all over the map when it comes to humor, though. Definitely. No, I mean, you can and you can definitely see that in your book. And that's why just to, you know, kind of maybe plug it along the way. That's something that I love about the book. And we'll talk more about it is just there's something there for everyone. And I think that's what's the nice universal piece of the book. Again, it's a definitely unique book. It's different, which I love. But if you can't yeah, find yeah. something in this book, I want to say, then I'm not sure what you need to say about who you are as a person, because <laughs> there is at least one thing you could find in this book that you could say, yeah, aha, that I've had that happen, or I've observed that, or yeah. that annoys me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for yeah. me, there was tons of stuff that I was just, you know, just thought were hilarious. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Another thing. That. Absolutely. Any, were you, did you ever play any type of sports? Did you try to play any type of sports growing up? No. I mean, that's the the thing, like part of the
1: weird childhood that I had. <laughs> First of all, we didn't have money. So, you know, oh, I, it wasn't okay. even my, on my mom's radar to try to get us into sports. She didn't come from that. So she didn't even know. So I can't really blame her. And mm-hmm. I was clueless. So I wouldn't even know to say, hey, can I try that? Like, again, being so shy, that wasn't something that I would have felt comfortable even thinking about, you know? But uh, so, yeah, part of of that is also what makes you feel left out because kids are involved in sports or some type of after-school activity. Our Mm -hmm. after-school activity was going to my grandmother's and putting the TV on and you're playing outside, you know, so it, it, I didn't have like the same experience as most people, which is probably why I had to develop a sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise God knows where I would be right now, probably in a grave. <laughs> no, so,
0: no. But well, and you've you mentioned your grandma a few times. Did, was there anything special that you can tell us that you enjoyed doing with her? Uh,
1: My grandmother was, actually very interesting she was very into uh, fashion she was okay. always well dressed, uh, very put together but she was an incredible cook and some of the things that I still make to this day are things that I did you know I learned from watching her Aww, so my nice. homemade uh, sauce and meatballs I got from her um, there's a chicken tarragon dish that I make that I copied from her. There's a baked fish you know, so so all that nice. stuff I just, you know, hang out in the kitchen while she was making that stuff and And, you know, I thought it was fun, and I used to love the holidays until people started arguing because everything always (laughs) erupted into a stupid argument. But before the arguments broke out, I I would enjoy the holidays, you know, and just listening to the adults telling their stories about, you know, this happened back then, and they're talking about this person, And I would be fascinated by it. My sister couldn't give a shit about it,
0: but (laughs) I always liked stuff like that. And, again, that's your kind of observational stuff and your interest in people. And, yeah, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, because I am interested, at, you know, as you know, I like to know what makes people tick. Like, why are they the way they are? How do they get that way? Why are they mm-hmm. into this and their uh, sibling isn't? You know, stuff like that. So, yes,
0: I always kind of zeroed in on those things. Definitely. Now, this is interesting. So you weren't allowed to have a cat or a dog growing up, but you had something else. Tell us a little bit about this pet that you had. And I want to know, was it male or female? What was the name? And and how did it even come oh, yeah. to be that you had this pet? And how old were you? Tell us a little bit about that. Okay, here we go. So yes, we, we didn't have any pets because
1: we, you know, my mom was divorced and, you know, living on a single person's income. So raising two kids. So we always lived in an apartment and, you know, generally they wouldn't allow pets. And even if they did, we couldn't afford one. Um, And my mom's one of those, I don't like animals in the house kind of people. Now, with that being said, this (laughs) makes zero sense. So um, my mom, she didn't do a lot of dating when we were kids, which is you know, good, because she always just focused on us. But she did meet Mm -hmm. someone at one point, and they eventually got engaged. And he, let's just say he had some connections. So one night, I was about seven years old, my sister was eight, and we were watching TV, and we saw this animal on TV. And, you know, you're you're a kid, you're like, oh, I want one. (laughs) Next thing you know, my mom's fiancé brings us a chimpanzee. (laughs) (laughs) In diapers. He wore overalls. Oh, my gosh. He was the cutest thing. His name was Primo. And um, he would crawl into the bed with me. He had an affinity to me for some reason. And he would lay there with his arm around
0: me. Oh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was the coolest thing. But it, we, I think we only had him... Maybe a little more than a year because, he well, he did bite me at one point. We brought him to my grandmother for some type of, I don't know, holiday. So as there got to be more people, Primo got scared and he started running around and running around and we couldn't get him. And then he just bit like the bottom of my leg which probably is why I have all these health problems in my life come to think of it hmm. oh gosh now, just oh, no. together. <laughs> but anyway oh, so no. and he he did end up unfortunately getting sick so that was that but um he yeah that was <laughs> we would bring That's him wild into yeah there was did you guys have friendly restaurant down at your yes. end of
0: the uh, actually you know what's the one so you say that I think I think there might be one still left. So many of them have closed over the years. Yes. Yeah. So
1: there was one that um, it had like a counter, almost like a, as if it were a diner. You know how mm-hmm. you have those stools, the the stools <laughs> that spin and you sit at the counter. And yep. my mom's fiance knew the guy that owned that Friendly's and he used to bring <laughs> the chimpanzee in there when we'd sit <laughs> at the counter and he would eat soup with a spoon at the counter like a person <laughs> that's and, hysterical you know, would like oh my god they would be like what the hell did I just see
0: yeah it was pretty cool interesting so yeah. <laughs> why don't we parlay a little bit into while we're talking about pets real quick um you know you're definitely a fan of cats you know which we can see yeah you know, tell us so, a little I- bit about um Holland Oats, and you know give us a little bit of background I mean the names are pretty self-explanatory but why did you choose to name them that and then pull in a little bit of the videos that people can see that I absolutely adore with you dancing and roller skating and lip syncing uh, <laughs> to them at times. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, um, so they were adopted. They're three. They're yeah, a little over three now. They just turned three in. Well, uh, oh, they're going to be four. Wait a second. I have to do math. Oh, yeah, wow. they're going to be four in May. Oh my God. So, um, no, is it? Yeah, May. I don't know. I'm getting all mixed up. But anyway. So um, they came from a shelter, but, you know, they're brothers. So it was like, okay, you can't separate the brothers. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to my niece and she's the one that came up with the name Hall and because she knows I live for Holland and I was like, oh my God, that's perfect. <laughs> so the funny thing is, you know, you couldn't really tell when they were little, like if one was going to be bigger than the other. It just so happens that the one that, I named Hall is the bigger one, and Oates is the <laughs> little one, and Hall is the more like kinda in your face attention getting obnoxious one, <laughs> and Oates is you know he kind of just stands back and knows his role, so they really
0: that's hook great to their
1: without even realizing it, yeah, so. Uh, you know, and then when I'm in the house, I put music on and I like to, you know, if something comes on that I like, I rock out or I dance whether I'm cooking or whatever I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, started recording videos with the guys cause they would look at me like, what are you doing? And then they would <laughs> kind of like, you know, be part of the video. So it just became like a goof. So I just made these, I started making these videos with them and I just post them on my social media pages. <laughs>
0: No, they're great. I love them. I love them. And okay. I know your fans okay. do too. I mean, everyone comments yeah. and yeah, they're great. They're great. <laughs> Who doesn't love Hall and Oates? Come on. Everybody <laughs> needs some Hall and Oates in their lives. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. So let's, uh, let's, let's like rest a little bit, go back to, you know, just tell us, let's walk through school a tiny bit more in terms of what did you what did you enjoy in school? Were there certain subjects? You know, clearly you're an excellent writer. Was English something you enjoyed? What were subjects you didn't like?
1: Oh God. Okay, yes. Yeah. So but obviously I loved English, um, Italian and Spanish were my favorite classes and I was actually so we had to start foreign language in fifth grade and take it all the way through senior year and oh I my ended gosh. up in Yeah, I was in honor Spanish, and sadly, I couldn't carry on a conversation today. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I could pick up on things and kind of decipher basically what's being said, but not fluently at all. Um, And I liked math, uh, but I hated, oh, uh, what was, uh, was it chemistry? No, it was, there was one that I really hated, and I was so bad at it. Well, I definitely. Well, was,
0: if I, did you even did, I never even did that. But.
1: Well, oh no, the worst one for me was typing, and even though I'm an excellent, you know, now I can type really fast, but mm-hmm. back then I sucked, and I was like, I don't want to go to this. I would skip the class, so I totally failed. <laughs> it was like, it was like a nightmare. But I took speed writing, which do they do people even do speed writing anymore? I'm really
0: making. I don't schedule. know. I don't know why I'm admitting any of this,
1: but no, it's um, interesting
0: stuff. This is what your this is what your fans want to hear. We want to we want to know things about you that other people haven't heard about. (laughs) Yeah,
1: well, some of the some of the people are like, wait, I've been jerking off to somebody over forty. What? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! God. But yes, speed speed writing was funny because even to this day. I find myself in my head, like if, I don't know if I have to remember something or whatever, I'm like abbreviating it in speed writing in my head. It's like it's stuck with me for some reason.
0: That's funny. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, any interesting jobs you had when you were younger in high school?
1: Well, when I was in high school, um, my first job, well, my first job was at Baskin Robbins and it lasted one night. I was such a wimp. I wasn't even strong enough to scoop the ice cream. And I said, screw this. (laughs) I never went back. But then um, my aunt, she worked at this place that was a, it was like a seasonal shop. They sold pool tables and I forget what else. And then during the holidays it was all like, you know, Christmas stuff and all that. So my sister and I worked there and we would decorate the trees and um, you know, do all that kind of stuff. So job I had. And then after that it just all went downhill. Oh no, I did work at a science a children's museum, which was cool. That was fun. Hmm. But then it got shitty when I started
0: working in banking. <laughs> that
1: was that yeah, was that's the so, nightmare. Why don't
0: we event. do that? Was that so, yeah, take us a little bit now. Was that after high school that you got? You know, you are working at some, you know, significant banks and I think in mortgages too. So, yeah, why don't we take take us a little bit now down that road and, and then we'll start to eventually break into the, you know, no pun intended, your, your comedy career. So, yeah, was yeah. that right after high school or tell us a little bit about uh, after high school and where – where you went next yeah
1: I'm trying to remember like right after high school I think was when I worked at the children's museum and then Mm -hmm. then I moved with my mom to Florida temporarily so I worked in retail but then I was like I hate Florida so I came back and then um what I can't I can't remember what the I might have had another retail job and then ultimately end up in banking and um i was in customer service and then i became a customer service manager and then i was supposed to be the uh, assistant branch manager but then some chick that i actually got hired she ended up blowing the chief financial officer <laughs> so she got the position even though she didn't have any experience <laughs> oh my gosh
0: well, yeah, I'm not going to say in that fun. situation, but we see a lot of people in positions today that we question how the heck did they get there, but okay, oh, yeah, and I'm just, yeah, I'm just going to say for the
1: record, it's not even a question because I was friends with her and she told me. So okay. she told me point <laughs> blank that she, he's dead now anyway, but she, told, she oh didn't kill him gosh. with a blowjob. He died way after the blowjob. Oh, my God. <laughs> She did tell me she didn't care. She had no bones about it or boners, but uh, yeah. So that was that was it. So I was just like, oh my god, I can't take this job anymore. There there was a lot going on. The women mm-hmm. were very catty and um, not very nice to me. So mm-hmm. I just you know did my thing, and the customers loved me. But you know you can only play the game for so long, and I just I had enough sure. and I had to get out of there. Yeah. Sure.
0: And then was that when you decided? So, tell us a little bit about that moment. What is? Is there a light bulb moment, an aha moment? What happens where you say, you know, no more banking, no more customer service, no more basically, you know, jobs where you have to work with the public, so to speak, where you can kind of be more in control of your career. So, what makes you say, I'm going to try comedy?
1: Well, I after the banking, I I briefly worked for an insurance company. That's where I okay. really I was really actually harassed by these two women that were just jealous and oh gosh balloons, which, you know, I talk about it a little bit in the book, so I won't bore yes. everybody with it. But, it, you know, when
0: people talk about,
1: you know, men harassing women, they should also talk about women harassing women because it's really pervasive and it's happened to me at every job I've had mm-hmm. basically in both banks and the insurance company and you know, you just kind of like, oh, that's just women being women. But no, you shouldn't have to deal with that. No, kind you of shouldn't abuse. have to tolerate it's that. Really? No, that's horrible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to the point where they were asking, you know, some of the um, male uh, field adjusters to lie about my files because they wanted to make me look bad. <laughs> so, oh my
0: gosh! Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. That is terrible.
1: It was crazy. Ugh. It was crazy. I'm- you know, I mean, one woman looked like Leary Bird. Who, if he feathered his hair with a blowtorch, I mean, she was like horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! You know, not my fault. Like, why do I? Why do I get picked on? I didn't make you look like that. But anyway, so yeah. So then, um, shortly thereafter, I I just took a, a part time job doing some reception work at a, at a place I really liked. It was mostly men, and we would laugh and have a good time, and blah blah blah. And then I started dabbling in comedy and then eventually I said, okay, I just got to focus only on comedy. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what I did. And, and, you know, I was doing freelance writing um, to also make some money. You know, I would write wedding speeches. I would write professional speeches. Yeah. Oh yeah. I even, I even did it again recently for one of my old clients. He's had, three kids get married and it has been a few years and he said, "Oh, would you be willing to my last one's getting married, would you be willing to write another speech?" I said, "Sure, let's do it." You know, cuz I don't really That's do it awesome. anymore, but yeah, yeah, so that was that was interesting, but yeah, so then I just um I focused on comedy and uh and that was it,
0: no more office jobs because I, I couldn't take and you it. Have to give an exact, no, I, I hear you. You have to give an exact timeline, but, but about how long would you say you've been like doing it more professionally now? I know you were dabbling in it, like you said, when you were working the last position you had. So, oh my God, what year is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, no, you don't. You have to say the exact year, but I mean, clearly, a da- at least a decade. Yeah, no, i was just trying more. to
1: see if I could do math. Uh, how many fingers do <laughs> we I need Howard here? Stern yeah. and
0: and wait, we need Howard Stern and Fred's uh, calculator. I, know, I need Howard's
1: math. Yeah, like carry the <laughs> one.
0: Okay, and you take
1: that, it brings you to ten. It's
0: definitely <laughs> over fifteen years. I could tell you that. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so. Tell us a little bit about when you first started out, you know, what was that like? Did you have to do bringer shows? Um, You know, if you can remember your first comedy show, was it a good experience? Was it something where you're like, oh, gosh, you know, I tanked and I really got to work at this? You know, tell us a little bit about the start.
1: Well, there was a uh, there was one really horrible, embarrassing experience that um, so my sister and I used to book a lot of comedy shows. We would book a lot of the guys that were sort of affiliated with the Howard Stern show. So we would book Artie Lang and Reverend Bob Levy oh, wow. and
0: mm-hmm. quarantine
1: both guys. And so Bob Levy, um, I can't remember if this was before or after I co-hosted a radio show with him actually. But so when he, when he knew I was starting stand up he had a, gig at Rascals Comedy Club. Do you remember Rascals in New Jersey? It was I in, know the um, name of it.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I've heard of it before. It's not yeah. there anymore. I
1: can't remember the town. But anyway, he said, hey, I could give you, you know, like a five-minute guest spot, you know. And I was like, okay. And I knew I wasn't prepared, but I didn't want to miss out on the opportunity. Like, I mm-hmm. mentally, I need to prepare. Like, I'm just so, like, anxious and crazy like that. So um, it was like a totally stressful drive and I couldn't get my thoughts straight. But anyway, I get up on stage. And again, I had really never been on stage before except for one open mic, but my sister was always trying to pimp me out, trying to help, but she wasn't really (laughs) helping because she's making me sound like I've done more than I have. And she's like, Oh, you should have my sister on. I'm like, why did you do that? (laughs) So I get on stage and, uh, I start off okay, and then I just went blank. And I'm just, like, standing there like an idiot looking oh, at no. the ground. I, I, it was like I just froze. I couldn't think oh. of what the hell I wanted to say next, and that was it. And and that was, like, the most embarrassing <laughs> experience ever. But they were really nice to me that even the people in the audience were, you know, really nice. And uh, nobody made me feel bad. But it didn't matter because you're standing there in that moment, right. and it's just oh, uh, yeah. so that was uh, that was embarrassing.
0: And but again, clearly everyone I'm sure starting out has their moments and you've definitely overcome that um with, you know, your career today and and the performances I've had the honor to see you at. So, Thank yeah. You. No,
1: Thank Good
0: you. stuff. Yeah, I mean, no, it's great. I love the crowd work you do, um your own material, everything is just it's it's super polished and really good. No, I appreciate really that. Good. Thanks. So just, I mean, we don't have to delve into this too much, but talking about comedy and just, you know, just how things have changed a little bit over time. Um, You know, the pandemic definitely impacted, as we know, live shows for comedy, music, you know, plays. Um, And I think think it's a time where there's more opportunities, too, for people to branch out and do things like podcasts and, and maybe things that they wouldn't have. I don't want to say entertained as much, but you know what I mean? I mean, when you had all that yeah. stuff going on at the height that it was going on, you know, I think it's a, it's a evolve and, and try different things. And, you know, tell us a little bit yeah, about see. how things have, you know, not shifted, but, you know, maybe changed a tiny bit since, since the pandemic, so, you know, things are getting back to quote unquote, whatever normal we want to call it at this point. Right. But, right. Yeah. Yeah. Share with us a little bit about just how that impacted you and, just some of the things, you know, clearly you've been able to get involved in um, outside of just doing live performances.
1: Yeah. Well, and first of all, I agree with you about, you know, that
0: it has created
1: more opportunities for certain people that, you know, they're very creative and they think of other ways to get their comedy out there. And I think that's Mm -hmm. really cool. People like just they have such unique thoughts and visions and they're able to, Uh, translate that into something that audiences can enjoy even if it's not a live experience. So I think that's been one of the things that's been really cool for a lot of comics. Um, For me, it's been a little different because, well, it it was before the pandemic that I actually got the gig with Monsters of Rock. And that um, came from me trying to think of ways to promote myself because I've sort of always had a more difficult time getting my comedy um, on social media to, you know, for people to really see it or, you know, get in, interact with it. And I think part of that is because I don't have the same um, experience in standup that a lot of people do. I am not somebody that hangs out and that has to do with my health situation. Mm-hmm. Usually I feel like, Dying by the time my set is over, oh, and right. uh, you know we we could get into the health stuff if there are but it's um, up to you so whatever I'll,
0: you want to share. Yeah. you know of course
1: whatever you want to share. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm t- I don't care. I'm open about it. But um, so it was it was always a little difficult for me to make mm-hmm. the same connections with people and like have these like you know everybody sort of has their click or their group, and I'm kind of sort of like this lone wolf just <laughs> floating in and out um because i i physically couldn't do all the extra stuff but um anyway so i was like okay so how can i sort of promote myself and and make myself noticed on social media and i started cuz i love music i've always been mm-hmm. like into punk and hard rock and soul and all that so i have all these like mm-hmm band t-shirt, so I would start posting a picture of myself in whatever shirt, whether it was That's uh, right. I remember that now. Yeah. Yeah, I hashtagged it Music Tea of the Week and, um, you know, one week it could be Rolling Stones, it could be Teddy Pendergrass, it could be whatever. And so, as I kept doing that more regularly, um, the CEO of Monsters of Rock took notice and he contacted me and he said, "Hey, awesome. would you be interested in you know maybe being a DJ on our station?" It's um, he said I I went to your website I looked at your clips you're really funny you're exactly what we would need you know da 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 so I said yeah so I sent him some samples he told me you know like just do this and say this and see how it sounds and I was like I have no idea what I'm doing I've never like edited (laughs) audio clip before like I was like oh my god this is so scary and I was like in my closet with my head buried in my clothing to try to like soundproof myself and uh yeah so so that's how that happened (laughs) and um and I started out like I think yeah at night and then he liked me and he kept moving me up to earlier in the day until eventually he's like okay you're a weekday morning person and i was like uh okay <laughs> so that's yeah awesome. so that's how that happened yep and then i started that's- writing for madhouse magazine which i remember how that one came about but um it's hysterical it's it's a satirical magazine and the thing that's so funny is when these articles like you know when we would post the articles people would believe them and get mad and think like the true story. Like, I'm like, how do you believe that, you know, uh, David Hasselhoff, you know, got in a fight with kittens or something, you know what I mean? Like, like right. they're believing something that's so obviously fake. And then they're commenting. It's like so
0: funny to see that. No, it's, That's great. I mean, you've done some really great write-ups for them. Yeah, I really, I really enjoy the stuff you've done with them. So yeah, let's, as we're doing this, this is perfect. You've already kind of went in the next direction I was going to go in anyway. Um, Let's talk a little bit about both of those. Then we're going to take a quick break, commercial break, and then we'll come back and start uh, really delving into the book. Um, I think, bring in here, I think this is a perfect time to bring in. You do have a drum set, so you know, not only do you love listening to music and and being a, a morning show DJ, tell us a little bit about this. You know, what's the what's the uh, the setup like? How many pieces do you have? What color is it? Uh, <laughs> when did you start playing it?
1: <laughs> oh my! First of all, it is the most basic kit you can get. I mean, I I can't play it. I still <laughs> suck. I am so uncoordinated. I, like, I could do, like, one beat, and then I'm like, okay, I keep repeating it, and then I'm like, wait, I don't even remember what I just did. So, at one point, I had, um, oh, what is that thing called? Like, you can do these lessons online from an expert, um, oh, I forget what they call it, but anyway, it was Sheila E., and it was her
0: program,
1: but it was, like, she was talking about stuff. I'm like, you would literally have to be advanced to even know. Right. Like she, everything was so intricate. I'm like, I can't even do like one basic thing, and she's already like, you know, okay. And then you flip over to this and that. I'm like, I don't know what's happening right now. So, yeah, it's uh, at this point, it's more a decoration than anything. <laughs> but I'm still
0: determined to play. That's right. you the, the thing is that you're. Yes, you're inspired and you're determined. That's what counts. What what color is the kit? Is it anything interesting?
1: No, no, it's just black. It's just, it's nothing it's black special. Circle. It's not it's not anything high-end. I mean, I again, I have no business having like a special <laughs> uh, drum kit. It's it's like so simple and basic. I think it's a PDP or whatever it's called, but nice. Yeah. That's, that's no, it. So, maybe maybe so- that's what I need. What's Maybe that? I need to upgrade, and then I would feel like more like okay, now I owe it to the drums to beat the shit out of them right. because it's such a, like a drum set, yeah.
0: And and what's interesting too, how come a, how come the drums like what why why did you choose the drums versus guitar, bass, oh piano, my God. something like that? I don't
1: know. I I was always obsessed with drums when I was okay. in fourth grade. We were told we had to pick an instrument, and I told the teacher I wanted to take the drums. Mrs. Gibbons, I'll never forget. She had this, like, amazing little, like, blonde hairdo with these giant glasses. And Mm -hmm. I said, I want to play drums. And she said, no, those are for the boys. And she made me take the violin. no. Hit her over the head with. So I don't know. And whenever I was into a band, I would always focus on the drummer, and then I would get a Mm -hmm. crush on the drummer. Like Duran Duran. (laughs) I was more into Roger Taylor than Simon LeVon or John Taylor, although now I would take John Taylor. But, you know, I, I don't know. I always seem to zero in on the drummers.
0: <laughs> and I think, I think, too, if we can, you know, maybe tie in a little bit just your upbringing and some of the, like you said, just a lot of chaos and stuff, you know, it's a way to definitely – Not that any musical instrument isn't a way to get out your emotions, but the drums clearly are at another level. Oh, yeah, that's like, you know, yeah,
1: you're like, boom, boom, which I wanted to do this morning because I had a crazy scenario, but which I told you off off air, but right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so that's what happens to me. Then it's like i got to release some energy, so that definitely no, helps. Even if I'm not playing a song, um, at least I have the drawing
0: to let off steam. Mhm. And, and, again, we'll tie this in later, but I think another point to make, and then we'll go into the break, is just, you know, how therapeutic all this stuff is. I mean, whether you're talking about comedy, music, I, I think, you know, you mentioned it in your book, you know, Clearly, it is. Comedy is one of the best forms of, of medicine and therapy. It really is, being able to laugh. Um, oh, absolutely.
1: And they're literally... Could have saved my life. What's that? I said it saved my life. If I didn't have laughter, I would right. probably be at the Institute.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you know, really, seriously, there is, I mean, there is, I don't know the, the details of it, but there literally is research out there that has looked at comedy and music and its influence on you know mental health and well-being and yeah
1: yeah all right
0: because you can connect to definitely so let's do this i'm gonna put you on hold all right and uh let me just before i do that let me get into my notes here i got too many notes let me just make sure i'm the right area okay i'll put you on hold and then we'll we'll check out the song we're going to do today we'll then come back with an advertisement for your new book, and then we will get back to the interview.
1: Awesome. Sounds great. All
0: right. Sounds great. Hold on, Claudia. All right, everyone. Again, you're listening to Claudia Stavola, comedian and author. Um, We're going to take a quick break right now. Today I wanted to integrate and I, you know, I've interviewed a lot of musicians and bands over the years. That's really where I started. If people go back to my podcast, I primarily was interested, interestingly, Interviewing music, musicians and bands, but I thought something cool to do today, especially with Claudia being involved with Monsters of Rock and being a huge fan of, of rock and metal music. I wanted to um, highlight one of the bands that I've had the honor of interviewing on my show. So this is going to be Boston's National Hard Rock Band silent season. We're going to play their hit single, Stars, and these guys are great. Guys have uh, toured with national acts such as Seven Dust, Ten Years, and Gemini Syndrome, They've also shared the stage with Black Brides, Falling in Reverse, Like a Storm and Red. Um, They have an album out titled Breaking Me Down. It's fantastic. They also have an EP titled The War Within, as well as several other singles out. So, you know, definitely check these guys out. You can go to iTunes, Amazon Music, all the major digital sites. And if you want to follow them on social media, again, their name is Silent Season. And you can go to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So let's check out their hit single, Stars, and then we will be back.
1: for stimulation
0: then pleasure yourself with this hilarious new book 100 things to hate before you die the hilarious new book from comedian claudia stavola from celebrities vagina scented candles to one guys who call their wives the boss happy wife happy life if george carlin and phil burr have a baby this would be it so piss off the karens in your life 100 things to hate before you die not responsible for spontaneous sense of laughter from being your pants to be canceled by your family Buy
1: 100 things to hate before you die now available on amazon
0: All right, everyone, welcome back to the Carrie Edelman Show. And as you heard, that was uh, Silent Season's hit single stars, and we did a nice intro for Claudia's new book. So again, please, we're going to promote both of them today, Silent Season. Check these guys out and uh, download some of the music and also make sure you purchase Claudia's book, which we are going to now dive into. All right, Claudia, welcome back. Thank you.
1: I was laughing at myself, because all I could think of, I, I went to Tinkle, and I was thinking of remembering Naked Gone when Frank Revin didn't know his microphone was still on, and he's going to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh.
0: That's great.
1: Oh, oh so that could God. that could be
0: tied into, which we'll talk about in a little bit, too, um, just some of the phony phone calls, you know, that are done on the Howard Stern Show with Richard and oh, Sal, my God, and my some favorite. of that. Oh, yeah. I know. So good. All right. So... So welcome back and let's now start to, I think this is a perfect time to start talking about the book. Um, As I mentioned in the beginning of the interview, you know, you clearly have evolved over the years. And I think that's something that's just so great about you is like you said, how you've taken your comedy, you're using it now in different ways, whether it's being a DJ, you know, writing for magazines. And I think the best thing that you could have done was, is put your writing skills and your intellect to work on this new book. Um, Specifically, because like you said, it's observational humor. It definitely has, you know, that Seinfeld, Larry David, Howard Stern, you know, just the things that you really home in on. So tell us a little bit about how you started writing this book, the concept. And, you know, how long ago was it that you came up with it? Because I know from the book and briefly mentioned there was an unfortunate situation where you were working with someone and then you had to pivot and eventually, you know, change gears and work with someone else.
1: Yes. Um, well, <clears throat> I've had the idea for probably at least 10 years and I just started, cause I'm like, every time I turn around, I'm always saying, Oh, I hate that. I'm like, and <laughs> I realized I, I got to keep track of these things that I say I hate cause they're, they're stupid things. They're not necessarily, you know, big deal things, but they're things that would irritate me so much that I would have this like, visceral reaction. So mm-hmm. I started keeping a list and I'm like, I gotta write a book but I didn't really have a concept yet of, okay, what is this book going to be? Like, it's not fun to just, so anybody could write a list. Oh, I hate hate that. You got to expound upon it. Right. So um, I don't know. It's been a few years since I started writing it. And then, you know, there were some little uh, speed bumps along the way that delayed things. One of the things was um, I was helping take care of my friend's mom. She had ovarian cancer so, you know, oh I, I became a caretaker for her and, you know, that mm-hmm. was four years, you know, when I could, I, I would do a little bit of writing. Um, and then I haven't really felt well for a long time. Like I always knew something was wrong and I kept going to the doctor and they could never quite give me anything definitive. So in 2019, it was like the late 2019, um, an artery in my neck dissected and I ended up with a blood clot too, but um oh I found gosh. out that I have Yeah, I have some type of um right. connective tissue disease that affects my arteries. I, they I guess the way the neuro she's a neurologist, geneticist. She said you have like stretchy arteries, which means they're fragile, so like you have to be really careful. Like I can't even like tilt my head back or I risk getting another dissection. So like I'm so paranoid, oh. right?
0: Yeah, no, them, I mean, dealing with, no, them I them. mean, it's just, and I appreciate you sharing this too, because I think, you know, people, everyone deals with something, you know what I mean? And I think especially yeah. people like you that are in the spotlight, you tend to look at people and think, oh, everything is wonderful and perfect. And, you know, I think it really gives other people just that comfort in knowing that they're not the only ones out there too that deal with stuff. Um, and yeah, just how, yeah. how difficult it can be for you you know, when you're pursuing all the things that you want to pursue and you do have to take breaks sometimes and people need to respect and understand and appreciate that.
1: Yeah, because it was like, I was always like, why am I not
0: able to, like, I would always feel like un,
1: like weirdly exhausted, like just not normal, like, oh, right. I'm prior. Like, I would feel like I was hit by a truck and no amount of sleep would help. Like I would get to the point where like everything – you know, I'd, I'd have different things, you know, that were painful and blah, 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 and it would affect my blood pressure and all sorts of other stuff, autonomic nervous system dysfunction. I'm like, what is happening to me? So that sort of started to explain things. And then as I was healing from that, that's when, you know, the pandemic hit. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not going anywhere anyway because I don't feel good and blah, blah, blah. And then, um, you know, so I was able to just spend more time writing was Mm -hmm. still knowing something was wrong. I'm like, okay. It was like, I don't know, six months later and the the dissection was actually healed, but I still was feeling like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like I was having all these other symptoms, which I won't like bore everybody with, but um, long story short, (laughs) I had a surgery last year for neuroendocrine cancer. And, um, (sighs) you know, I'm still, we I think I'm in the clear, but I'm not 100% out of the woods. I have a couple of tests coming up in March um, just to answer some more questions. But, yeah, so during all that time, I'm trying to, like, you know, get this book finished.
0: I started
1: with this um, book designer, and then they wouldn't finish formatting it. Like, they left things, like, askew. And I'm like, that's not a line. And they're like, well, you know, uh, finished is better than perfect. And I'm like, no, that's not accurate. So I had to hire another designer, which I'm so glad I did because she's, like, awesome and we became friends. But anyway, so, yeah, so it was, like, a, a long period of time. Well, and, again, just
0: do. my, of course, I hope you continue to, you know, feel better and get answers and, you know, so know that you are always in my thoughts. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um with the book, yeah, let's talk about the image a little bit while you kind of you, you tied that into that uh, piece there. Tell us a little bit about how you chose the cover. I love it. You know, why'd you, why'd you choose hot pink? You know, I love the perfect touch of, I don't, is it a tiara, we'll call it, or a crown on your head? I don't know how you yeah, want to describe yeah. <laughs> it. But yeah, tell us a little bit about, no, I, I that's what I do with the band. I would dissect, you know, a little bit there, no pun intended, you're talking about artery dissection. Um, now we're talking about book dissection. But <laughs> we, we, um, what's it called? I'm sorry, with the with the bands, you know, we'd get involved with the album covers and breaking it down. Um, so tell us a little bit about, yeah, the, the book cover of it.
1: So I had this idea. I always loved the, um, Sex Pistols album cover. Uh, never mind the bullocks, there's the Sex Pistols. And so I wanted to kind of incorporate that, like, edgy, you know, writing with the tape. And, you know, I just liked the way it looked. So, I was also thinking of the image that they had for God Save the Queen. And, you know, they had the tape over her mouth and, and the uh, she had the crown on. But the, the reason I was thinking of wearing the tiara, too, was one of the things that I hate is women who call themselves queens. It's like right. not every person can be a queen. That's actually not possible. So you got to do a little more than have a vagina just to be a queen. So, so kind of mocking the people that call themselves queens. I'm incorporating my love of the sex pistols mm-hmm. with that, you know, style and the um the cover designer she came up with the color combination cuz I didn't want to do an exact copy of the sex pistols and use the um same album cover and all that but uh so she came up she thought the pink would really pop cuz she did try yellow but the sex pistols album well there was a British version and a U.S. version, and one was yellow and one was like okay. like a yeah, one was sort of like a salmony color. But so she thought that if we didn't use yellow, pink was like a great way to make it pop. Definitely, so I was like, yeah, definitely. I like that. That's great. So I went yeah yeah I thought she did a great job Laura Duffy is her name in case anyone needs a book designer <laughs> a book cover cool designer.
0: yeah no she did yeah. an excellent job and I think I think the cool thing about the book too is that you had all that symbolism because you know I've heard of the Sex Pistols but I wouldn't necessarily have been as familiar you know what I mean with what you were talking about uh-huh. So I love how you incorporated that, that symbolism in it that's cool thanks yeah I appreciate that very cool um Hold on. Let me look at my notes here. There was something I wanted to ask you. Hold on. Mm -hmm. You got into some of that already. You got into that already. Um, Yeah. So let's, I guess let's, and of course you could talk more about it too. You know, your book process, if you want, as we're talking about some of the other topics, but, um, you know, something I personally loved about the book was just how you broke it down. You know, you have specific chapters and each chapter has, how would you describe like, I mean, each chapter has its own, Sections. Well,
1: saying. well, each so there's I think there's ten parts or ten sections of the book, and then within each section is the chapter. So each okay, each or essay is a is a chapter,
0: and okay, you um, know that I might be got intimidating
1: <laughs> when people think a hundred chapters, but they're not that long. It's it's a normal right. size book. It's like I think two hundred and. 80 pages, if I remember off the top of my head, somewhere in that range. So it's it's no longer than any other typical um, book, but it's um, 100 chapters because I have 100 things that I'm saying that I hate.
0: So, right.
1: you know, some I go into more detail. Some are just, like, very brief, like when I talk mm-hmm. about The View, I fucking that show. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that one I could spell out in about three sentences why I hate it. So, yeah, it's right. it, um I had to, and that was part of the process, because I was like, how is this book going to make sense? Like, how am I going to just put 100 essays of things I hate? And so that's when I decided, okay, well, let me see. I have a lot of things that are, like, you know, making fun of certain types of women. So that'll be sort of like the chick chapter. Mm -hmm. Then there's... um, You know the people that are just straight up douchebags. So there's the douchebag section, and you know, so that's that's how I, you know, and I had like a whiteboard where I was like kind of mapping it all out. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, this is finally starting to come together this can go here you know it was was kind of funny I look like one of those um, detectives that have the board with the when they're trying to track the
0: serial killer and they have all this
1: (laughs) going from one you know town to the other is like that's what my and you know it's funny you
0: say that too because I thought of that but I also thought of a lot of musicians do that like when I was recording music, we would have a whiteboard with all the checkoffs of the, you know, I mean, the, the doubles and the harmonies and did we do this? Did we, so that's cool. No, that's, that was really cool to learn that that you did that. That's awesome. Um, We we creative think alike, right? We we Mm have a similar process. (laughs) Definitely. And I love how too, I think people will really appreciate just kind of the play on words that you use. Um, And, you know, for each of the, chapters will say and then there's a you know for the the main cluster of groupings like oh, you said okay. of,
1: yeah like the sections yeah <laughs> yes i love yeah, it i mean was fun it's coming so up with cool those.
0: yeah it's Thank so cool you. yeah um like for example you know there's one called and i don't want to you know it's people because I want them to buy the book but you know you're so vanity plate I bet you think this rant is about you or you know your <laughs> kiss is on my shit list you know so I mean it's and the content is just so funny the gender reveal zeal I love that that was so great about the oh, yeah, party one of my favorite oh my god yes. I fucking hate the reveal parties it's one of like, you a... yeah so riff on that a little bit since I mentioned that one Well, it's like, first of all, these people are so self-absorbed.
1: They act like nobody's ever had a baby before, and it's some big mystery. It's like there's only two options that's going to come out. So why do you have to do this big song and dance with a colored explosion, and then they burn out a desert, and they owe millions of dollars to the state? It's like, for what? And then people, like, end up dying at these gender reveals because people think they're announcement is the most important thing in the world like nobody's ever had a baby before it's so right. aggrav-
0: it just aggravates me if you couldn't <laughs> tell <laughs> no it's great that's great no that and that's i think people appreciate you just kind of going off this is what you're going to get in the book and of course it's going to be more in depth than what she just did but i think that that's what's so great um another one Thank too is, yeah a license to parent one since I guess that's interesting I picked two that were kind of in that that category um, where you know you use the Seinfeld reference with the soup Nazi who's actually yelling instead of no soup for you he's yelling no kids for you and it's yeah, just great no kids it's for you <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hey, listen, somebody's got to take charge. There's too many shitty parents out there. Can we get somebody who's not afraid to? See, this is what I tried to do, too. Like, maybe there's a sort of serious topic, but I tried to really, you know, put some humor in it. But let's be honest, the majority of parents out there should not be parents. We all know this. As the generations go on, things are getting worse and worse, scarier and scarier. Everybody's fucked up. And it's because these people should not have kids. It's like if you have carpeting in your bathroom, you should not be reproducing. You are not capable of raising a
0: child. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so great. It's so great. Um, but one of, my, one of my favorite ones, which I think we really need to tie in, and on many levels, I think this is multifaceted, is, you know, your love of Howard Stern, um, there's a chapter called Howard Be Thy Name. And I think too, this is important to combine a lot of pieces here is just his evolution over the years. It, similar, the topic I've been, you know, theming throughout this interview is your evolution. And, and yeah, tell us a little bit about just how you became exposed to Howard. You know, when was the first time you heard him and, and share with us, you know, what made you interested in him? Why was why was he something that you loved to listen to? Um, talk a little bit about that. Well,
1: uh, I think I was probably, I want to say I was probably like 19 when I was turned on to him. I think my sister is the one that, you know, like, oh, you don't listen to Howard Stern? I was like, no, because I didn't, you know, I would just listen to music. I wasn't really like a talk radio person. And then she mm-hmm. told me about Howard and, I, I the second I heard him, I loved him because he was funny. I I like humor, I like silliness. I loved all the staff shenanigans, and that's still mm-hmm. my favorite part of the show is the infighting and the you know <laughs> mocking each other and the ball busting. Um, so yeah, from that point on, I was like. That's, I listen every time that he's on. I know he's only on three days a week now, and people have their complaints about that, but shut the fuck up. He's almost 70 years old. He earned it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's just, uh, I love, you know, to listen back to some of the old shows, and his voice sounds so different, and his voice is deeper now. It's just funny because he sounded, like, so fast and nervous. Uh, <laughs> and now, you know, he, he has that deeper, you know, Robin voice. But um, yes, I've been a fan always, and I think it's funny the reason I wrote that that I wrote is because I'm just so disgusted by people who have no valid argument to say the things they say other than they're just miserable, bitter people. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, he spent too much vacation like, so what? What do you care? It's like if you enjoy what he does when he's on, then listen. If you don't, don't. If if somebody was your employer and they said, hey, here's the deal. We only need you to work this many days a year and you have this time off and this is your pay, you're going to tell me you're going to say no and we should all shit on you? No. Right. It's like he he has changed the face of radio. He should be able to do what he wants, and clearly they're – Accommodating him because that's how valuable he is to that network. So it's like, I don't know. I, I could go off on so many things, as you know, because you read the rant, but it's just annoying. And the people that, you know, can't handle the fact that he's changed, it's like, oh, God forbid somebody actually, you know, look inward and say, oh, maybe I'm not into that anymore. Or maybe I don't see things the same way anymore. Like they criticize him for actually having. Um, the ability to you know look at himself and and, yeah. and listen to other to listen to other points of view in the world and say hey maybe I was wrong about something maybe that does make sense you know whatever the case may be but oh he he's not the same no more fuck him he ain't the stern from thirty years ago well I would hope so. right he's not and that's he's not okay he's old he's not. Thirty years old. He he's an older man. Like that's what's supposed to happen in a normal progression in life. Is things change? You change. You become more educated
0: about life, about other people, whatever. But yeah, people can't handle it because. And I think. I agree with what you're saying with him and his evolution. And I I think like you said, he, he absolutely earned it. He absolutely deserves it. And I think he, he makes it known all the time. I mean, this is a guy who's been in psychoanalysis for, you know, I don't know, 25, 30 years now, maybe even more. And I think something Mm -hmm. that he's been able to do, even though he'll, he'll be honest and say, Hey, I'm a narcissist is he does look inside himself. And I think I think a good term to use here is self-actualization. I mean, this is a person yeah. who is self-actualizing. He has insight into himself. He, oh, I don't really like this about myself. I need to start changing this about myself. He's not, like you said, who he was back in the day. Right. Where he's just and this that's disgruntled, bitter individual. Yeah.
1: <laughs> But that's what also makes him funny is that he acknowledges this stuff about (laughs) himself. Like I'm the worst, I'm a narcissist. I'm, you know, it's like, yeah. And most people can't acknowledge that about themselves and that's what makes him that much more interesting. Mm -hmm. So, and, and he's funny and I still enjoy the show and I don't care that he's, you know, in his basement or in his house. It's like, it's still the show. Like people that, you know, pick up on that and hang on to that criticism it's like, what, why does it matter to you where he physically is when he's doing the show? It's the same voice on the radio. So Absolutely. why do people keep that he's in Florida and not in a serious studio?
0: It's like, get a life, you know? Mm Hmm. And I think I'll tie this into your book, you know, something I really loved, and I think people will also appreciate about your book is, you know, it's not just reading rants and stuff. I mean, the book is really entertaining on different levels. There's pop quizzes. So if anyone wants pop quizzes... (laughs) Now it's so cool. It's like just when you're like reading something, it kind of shifts a little bit and you're like, oh, wow, this is interesting. And then I think especially Stern fans out there. I mean, there is a treasure hunt of golden nuggets for Stern fans to discover that is scattered all throughout this book. Um, I'll just name a couple. But again, I'm, I'm only hitting the top of the iceberg. I mean, there's a, a whoa, 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 stop the clock moment. There's a huge <laughs> asshole. There's scotch and vinyl. There's the mush mouth, and we have meatball eyes. And I think what's so great is it makes you think. You have to think, oh, who's this attached to? Who said this? Who, You know what I mean? Yeah. It was so great. And who? And
1: for the people that don't know the Stern Show, if they read the name Willie Fistergash, are they going to know that that's, like, you know, really supposed to sound like something? Or do they really think right. that's a real name that's saying, you know, or Robin Siteslot? Right. <laughs>
0: You know, so yeah, I, I thought that was that. so cool that you did that. What made you think of doing yeah. that? Like, how did you? I mean, of course, you listen to Stern all the time, so it makes sense. But was there something where you said, "Ooh"? what was the moment where you said, I'm going to throw one in there? And then it started to spiral.
1: Um, it just would come naturally, like as I was writing, okay. like, you know, if I was singing, like, wait a minute, the first thing that would come to my mind instead of saying, Wait a minute, was whoa, 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 you know, so. It's right. Like, because those phrases or, are yep. in my brain already because I listen to the show every day of my life since I was, like I said, 19 years old. Um, those names are, in, I say huge your soul at least like 10 times a week. I mean, I, I just, <laughs> it's like, because it's funny to me. <laughs> and I, like, at least five times a week I'll walk around the house going, happy birthday, curly tube, because I love those calls. They do to, <laughs> To, um, well, you know what I say up. a lot.
0: I don't know yes. why, but we won't. Go, I don't want to go into the you know the inappropriateness of this. But I'll be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you that's attached, <laughs> that's, to right? Um, um, Blue iris,
1: right? Blue yes. iris. Yes. Yeah, and now I find myself doing the doctor. Now you'll see the problem with Howard is he doesn't <laughs> reduce his calorie intake. yeah I just like I can't stop I, I just like it's just stuff that I love and it just it's there to keep me happy yeah. you know so
0: yeah. it's a stress believer
1: and the other thing mm-hmm. I try to incorporate in the book which you've probably noticed is um like a lot of the play on words are you know music uh song titles like I would, I mm-hmm. would like a, yeah you're like, right like, you know so, so I would incorporate that too and I have a lot of um you know, rock or music references. Like I know I mentioned, you know, Nikki Six or Mike Ness from Social Distortion or John Taylor from Duran Duran. Like I I throw a lot of stuff throughout because
0: that's what's on my radar
1: anyway. So it's just a part of me. Sure. So it of became a
0: part of the book. Definitely. No, that's you're absolutely right. And I think again that just that that symbolism and effect. I mean that's that's intelligence. The fact that you're able to, you know, put that stuff in there and the way you put it in there. It's just yeah. It's really cool. It's Thanks. a great book. Thanks. Congratulations. Seriously, it's great. Yeah,
1: I'm it's glad great. you you enjoyed it so much. It really uh it Oh yeah, no, I
0: was
1: yeah. I was I'm on my do. treadmill
0: walking a lot, reading it, laughing out loud. It was <laughs> yeah, it was really good. It was good. 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 Um let's do this, a couple, just a couple of quick things that, you know, again, there's so many things that I enjoyed about the book, but some of the things I agree that I'm also not a fan of is group stuff. Although I've never been on a cruise, I have no desire to go on a cruise, so when you brought up cruising, Same. I was just like, yes. Yeah. And of course, the participation trophy, which you were tying into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame stuff, was just, you know, just today, again, this participation trophy. You know, the people who are accomplishing all this stuff, everyone else has to get some type of you know, accolades, even if they did nothing, because you don't want to offend them or hurt them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that
1: was great. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, that just, was I great. mean, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, listen, I have no problem with people getting awards. It's that they, you know, we've taught, taught everybody talks about this, Just change the name to the Music Hall of Fame. Can we just do right. that at this point? It's so stupid to call it the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when a lot of rock acts are left out in favor mm-hmm. of privative acts. Yes, they you could say there's some rock element or they were influenced by rock, but you got to have it in there. You got to have some rock in there. So it's just kind of confusing when they keep it with that name. And that's my biggest pet peeve.
0: Right, right. Um. So let's talk about a couple of quick ones that I wanted to have you riff on a little bit. And then if there's of course, anything else you want to pull in, um, feel free to do that. All right. So one of the ones that I find fascinating, again, this is again, my observational background, my psychology background is, you know, people liking their own posts on social media. So I, I would just say to myself, what is that all about? Like why is someone who posted something about themselves liking that post. So is it, you know, is it narcissism? Is it because they want to increase the number of likes on the post? Because, we know, you need, you know, the more likes you get, the more bigger you are, the more better you look. Yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to just kind of throw that out there for you to see what you thought of that one. Well, the thing that I've
1: noticed with that, when, when I've noticed that, it's usually when, like, somebody, will friend requests me, let's say, on Facebook. And then I always look at the profile to see, is this person legit? Are they spewing crazy things that I want no part of? Like, I got to know who I'm <laughs> as a friend here. And I'll start scrolling through their posts. And a lot of times they'll have these posts and it'll show like one like or two likes. And one of the likes is them. And then they'll have a comment to themselves on the post on top of liking it themselves. They'll comment to themselves. Oh, interesting.
0: That's <laughs> an addition. Okay. Yeah, I've, you're yeah. right. I've come across that not very frequently.
1: So I'm like, are they're either a not real, and this is like a scam account, or they're just that crazy? I, I mean, I don't, or they don't know how Facebook works. I don't know. <laughs> it's just weird. But, yes, I have seen that, and I don't understand it, and I think it's kind of funny, but maybe it's sad
0: at the same time. I'm not sure. No, it is. I, no, I clearly – because I'm, I'm not – you know, again – I'm not gonna name people or anything, but clearly some of the people that I know of who do stuff like that, you know, they're you know, knowing them a tiny bit or just looking at their profile, there clearly is some type of a narcissism. You know, I'm not saying that's what it's all about, but there's clearly I think that component to it. Um Yeah.
1: And I'm listen, I've accidentally liked my own
0: posts, you know, like when
1: you're on your phone and if you right. touch the and that's screen okay. And there's totally. another top yeah, quiz. Like maybe it was an down, accident.
0: yeah that can happen but (laughs) sure maybe but when you see it regularly then you know eh, that's probably yeah you know this is not an accident yeah (laughs) (laughs) right once once in a blue moon um this is another one I love you know this I call it the infamous you know I follow you you follow me and then I unfollow you on social media this is typically I see this a lot on Instagram
1: oh I can't believe you said that I was just this morning Going through, because I try to be nice and follow people back, because I feel like, you know, it's re- Absolutely. reciprocal. And yes, I understand, I may not always see your posts and vice versa. But, you know, if we do, and we like them, we like them. If we don't, okay, no big deal. But we, we're following each other just as, uh, you know, to be, like I said, to be reciprocal. Supportive. So. Sure. I guess there's a – because I was trying to edit my profile this morning because I was like, oh, I don't have a link for my book in my profile. So I was trying to figure that out. And then when I was done with that, it said something about people you interact with least or something like that. So I was like, oh, okay. So I click on there, and there's a list of people. So then I go in and I see I look to see and they're not following me. So I'm like, why am I following this person? And so I started on following all these people. And I'm like, that's exactly what they do. Like, it's just so self-absorbed and rude to do that. And I think it's like, what is the big deal? Like they, they want it to look like they have all these followers, but they're so uh-huh. special that they don't have to follow anyone else. It's like, you're a fucking car salesman. Shut up. Okay. Or a crypto <laughs> dealer, whatever. It's mm-hmm. like, you're not anybody. You're not fucking uh, Kendall Jenner. Not that I like have any reverence for her, but you know what I'm saying? Like she doesn't have time to follow back 20 million people. So I don't know. I just, I just think it's a, a cheesy, cheap way to make yourself look better. But it. It's like you're still a loser, so it doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> no, I, and that's what I agree with you, is that I see it as like a supportive thing. Hey, you're following me. I'm going to follow you back. I mean, there's still people I probably have to get to that I, you know, I don't have a ton. But, you know, I do have to go through it when I have some time and follow people back because I do see it as a, you know, a give and take thing, we'll say.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know.
0: And then but um, I
1: think, this, this is a pet peeve, if I could just say, because we're in that social media thing, I hate when somebody follows you and you go to their account and it's private and you can't see anything. So how do I know I want to follow you back? What if you're like one of the mm, thousands? That's a good point. I don't want to fucking follow you. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's not really fair. I think once somebody is following you, you should be able to see their stuff even like you know just limited or whatever to
0: decide i see what you're saying yeah yes yeah yeah no that's a good point that's a good point um yeah so those were a couple of the ones i don't want to go on and on but i just thought it would be interesting to tie in a couple especially because of what your book's about um and i'm sure there's hundreds of other things out there that we could both comment on that is annoying (laughs) of course of course So, to tell us a little bit just about, you know, where where is what's going on in the f- near future, future? What do you have in the uh, works or, or any ideas of plans that you have in terms of maybe another uh, book at
1: some point? Yeah, I'm starting to compile my list for the next book, so I have that going on. I'm trying to write some new material so that if I maybe get out on stage again maybe by spring. I'm not sure. You know, I've been avoiding it just because mm-hmm. of like not feeling good and of course avoiding COVID and I'm more careful than a lot of people. So, and I don't care if people make fun of me. I'm one of those people. Um, so yeah, I'm just trying to figure out if I'm going to, I have a show booked in April, but I don't know if I'm definitely doing it, so I don't want to say anything about it yet. Okay. Um. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. But I mean eventually I'll get back out there and you know, I would like to film a special at some point and all that kind of stuff. But that all takes time and money and people. And,
0: you know. Definitely. So we'll see no, that would uh, a possibility. Yeah, that would be great if you did a special. I mean, again, just with all the options today, all the different streaming services, yeah, that would be awesome for you to get something like that out there.
1: I know. I would love it.
0: It would be so great. Cool. Um, So, yeah, so, I mean, whatever else you want to share, and when you're ready, I definitely want you to, you know, plug, of course, your book and where people can find you on social media, um, as well as let people know, please, that if anyone didn't get a chance to tune into the podcast, it will be available to stream and download uh, after it's over. That would be great if you could plug it. Yeah, of
1: course. Absolutely. I'll, I'll definitely tweet it out again and, you know, do the Instagram and Facebook posts. And um, yeah, if anybody's interested in the book, which I can't imagine why you wouldn't be at this point, <laughs> you can find it on Amazon, 100 Things to Hate Before You Die. Also, you can go to mywebcomedy.com. There's a link there. Um, there's also a link if anybody's interested in a signed personalized copy. Um, obviously, Those are just hardcovers, so that's uh, available only on my website if you want the signed copies. And um, you can listen to me on Monsters of Rock Monday through Friday. I'm there 8 a.m. to noon Eastern, and you could do the math to figure out Pacific.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, that's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining me, Claudia. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on and, you know, just much success to you with the book and Monsters of Rock and also Madhouse uh, Magazine and everything else that you're up to. And, of course, as you know, you're always welcome back on the, the show in the future when you have some new stuff to promote.
1: Thank you so much. It was so much fun. I knew it would be, of course, and uh, you do a great job, <laughs> So thanks. And, yes, I will, I will take you up on that. I'm sure I'll
0: have something in the future, and we can uh, do this again. Thank you so much, Claudia. So this will be a nice introduction to people's weekend. So I hope people can have some fun uh, listening to Claudia, you know, on the Carrie Edelman Show podcast and also pick up her book and, you know, relax, read some, some funny material. You there, Claudia? Yes, I'm here. Sorry it jumped oh, out a Sorry, second. that was weird. <laughs> oh, maybe it just cut out for a second. Okay, yeah, no, because I was like looking, I was like, Oh, that's weird. Um, okay. Yes. Yeah, so, again, as I was saying, just thank you so much for coming on. And I was telling the audience that people should definitely check out the podcast and pick up your book and have a relaxing weekend and, you know, incorporate some humor into it. Definitely. It sounds like a plan. And thank you again for having me. Absolutely. So much continued success to you. And we will uh, we'll definitely be in touch in the future. Sounds good. Thanks, Carrie. Okay. Take care, Claudia. All right. You bye. too. Bye-bye. All right, everyone again, author, comedian, writer, Claudia Stavola. Okay. If for some reason you tuned in late to the podcast and the interview with her, you can check it out on iTunes, iHeartRadio. Um shortly after it's over, though it will be available to stream and download. So and we also today featured uh, hard rock metal band Silent Season and their hit single stars. So check out these guys. Please download some of their music. They have some amazing material. It's all available on Amazon and Pandora and all the major digital sites. And last but not least, definitely uh, get a copy of Claudia's book, 100 Things to Hate Before You Die, which is available on Amazon. So thank you so much for tuning in. And please uh, check me out. I'm also available on, sorry, it's been a long interview, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter. Um, You can follow me on Facebook. I have a personal page, the Carrie Edelman personal page under Carrie Edelman as well as a page you can follow the Carrie Edelman show. Unfortunately on Instagram right now, I only have a personal page, so it would be great though. If you could follow me at Carrie Edelman on Instagram, I do post all the interviews there and upcoming shows that I'm going to be having. So thank you so much for tuning in. Check out the Carrie Edelman show on iTunes. There is over 250 interviews with tons of different uh, entertainment people in the industry. So everyone from comedians, authors, musicians, writers, check it out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great day.